Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? So this week, we're going to do a part two of talking about software that we can use in our businesses. And last time you talked to Emily about it, so I had to watch that to make sure that I didn't overlap anything and get some new ideas. There's definitely plenty for us to talk about today. So where do you want to start? So we're going to start with kind of the paperwork side of things. So there's three kind of separate things I want to talk about, starting with contracts. So what's a good software to use for contracts? Okay. So my recommendation with contracts is you want a software for contracts, mainly because you can do it by paper version, but now you have to do all of the work of making sure that everything's done correctly for them to be legally binding. You have to make sure that you store them, that you have access to them. If it ever comes to a point where you need to use them, like in a court of law, And so having a company that does that is really, really helpful because you will not know what mistakes you make until it's too late to have corrected them. So for me, having software for that is really, really important. For my firm, I use AdvicePay because it's integrated with my payment processing. When I put in what my payment schedule is going to be into advice pay, it automatically puts those numbers into the contract, right? So, you know, basically the, the steps of setting up the payments are the steps of customizing the contract. So it's all in one. Right. Advice pay uses DocuSign. There's also HelloSign and a couple other companies to actually do the legal requirements of making sure that it it would hold up in a court of law type thing. Um, Right. Now, without advice pay, you'd want to use DocuSign or HelloSign or one of the other companies that does it, but having it all integrated is a nice feature. Yeah. And I was was using SignRequest because it was free and I liked the free version and it is, it is official. I did, I did research it. It looked like it was good unless you have a reason why it's not good. But I love the idea of it being integrated. And, and if you do end up paying for one, then the idea of it being part of advice pay is you're only paying one time, right? So the cost of, of using advice pay for payment processor, it's already built into that. So you get essentially getting that for free, sort of, right? Yeah. So you're not going to be happy with my response on free. <laughs> no, you don't like that. Yeah. Well, I know free is never good, but. <laughs> yeah. So the challenge that I have with free is that Nothing is ever free. You're always paying for it somehow, right? That is true. And one of the challenges that you have to think about is, you know, especially with something like this, if something is really low cost, is the company's business model sufficient to actually be able to pay for the updates and the legal research and the software changes and all of the other things that would be needed to keep up to date with changing case law related Mm. to it, right? Right. Most of the companies, even the free versions, if a law changes, right, if Congress passes a new law, they will probably update their software. But that is Congress passing a law is like, one half of 1% of how law changes, right? Right. The vast majority of it is case law, which is just appeals courts deciding new cases that then change how the courts interpret the laws, which are the things that actually determine whether or not you're following the law, right? What Congress writes is, you know, not really what determines whether or not you're following the law, 
Um, and then there's also things that come out as well, because oftentimes what Congress will write is there, the law that Congress writes is we give the IRS or the Department of Labor or some other entity the authority to do all the rules. And then it's all of them updating their rules and updating their procedures and their rulings that are just administrative sides of things. And so the question becomes if it's free or if there's not enough money being collected, even if it's just really low cost, are they really going to have the financial resources? Because it costs a lot of money to keep up to date with those things. Um, yeah. Like, and there's other limits. There are a lot of other coming. No, but just. Right. As part of as part right. of your analysis, yeah, yeah, and and there were a lot of limits to it as well. Like there were there were features that it didn't have that would be nice to have that you could get with their paid version, and so their paid version probably was a lot better. Um, yeah, but definitely something to think about. And I'll be moving to advice pay professional pretty soon here anyway, um, so my contract will be built in. But yeah, I've been kind of waiting for that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Completely my fault. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, so that's the risk is very, very low when you have like one or two clients. Right. The challenge is as your business grows, that risk increases much more rapidly. And as your business grows, the likelihood of you having the time to do the research you need, not just to figure out what software to use, but learn how to use it. Right. Right. That's true. Diminishes. That's and true. And so you want to kind of start with best practices from the beginning with some of these softwares, not necessarily everything, but with some softwares, you want to start with best practices with, with what you want it to be five years from now. Right. Right. Otherwise, you're just not going to have uh, the time to, to do it. And when your business is on a really, really good growth track, you don't want to pause that growth track to fix a bunch of software and relearn a bunch of software. Because um, you you might lose a lot of growth momentum. Yeah, and you talk about that and launch a lot the um, like having your your business plan essentially. Like if you do the research into different softwares, once you decide on one, don't lose that research. Make sure you keep you keep right. that other the other ones that you looked into. And so I actually did that. I have like screenshots of like pricing and my favorite ones and the ones I said why I didn't like it. So that yeah. if I do ever have to go back. In any no, software that I picked, <laughs> I've got, yeah, I don't have to do all, I could do, you know, I mean, obviously it's probably changed in a couple of years, but, but at least I have a baseline. Yeah. They're, like, I know why I didn't choose something. Yeah. You're not starting the research from zero. You're starting the research from, let me verify whether anything has changed in here. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was contracts. So I also want to talk about these kind of maybe together mm -hmm. is the idea of like forms or questionnaires. So if you have like a questionnaire you want to send your client. And I also want to talk about secure document storage kind of at the same time, because All that data some of the questionnaires, yeah, get data gathering. There you go. Okay. Because the questionnaires may have um, secure data in them. So mm -hmm. if you're asking them about their financial accounts or anything related to their finances, then that's personal data. You want to be really careful with that. But then if you're asking them like maybe an end of service questionnaire, you know, feedback for me, then maybe you don't need to have a secure um, right. uh software for that. So, so what would you recommend for the non-secure versus the secure for that? So I have two different methods of data gathering in my, at my firm. And it, it basically is delineated. It's delineated in a different way, but it's along a very similar line, right? The outcome is a similar line to what you just described, secured versus non-secure. Okay. So for prospects, where I am just gathering basic information in order to be able to provide them with a, uh, a fee quote, right? Uh, because my fees are based on their financial complexity, right? The more right. complex their taxes are, the more work I have to do and my team has to do, right? So when we look at the when we look at that, you know, that's all very basic information. It's not upload your tax return, it's, do you have a Schedule C on your tax return? Do you have a Schedule F, right? It's not even the numbers, the dollar amounts, it's just, right. yeah, you have this. Um, do you have investment properties? How many? You know, how many 401k accounts do you have? Is it more than the two jobs that you're currently at, right? Th those types of questions, right? Right. right. Okay. And so because it's very basic, 
and because they're not clients, that is literally just a form that gets filled out. It's a form that is integrated with the website that I have, right? The, the website host that I have. And it's just their form and it gets emailed to me. So that is for clients, non-clients, for prospects, right? Right. And you use, you use something built into your, into your website. So do you use any kind of a, a software for that? Or is that yeah. just... It's just through the, through the they, website. They, there's one of the options that you can do for creating something yeah. in the website as a form, right? <laughs> um, then on the other end of the spectrum is client stuff, right? And client stuff is where that's where everything is secured and everything is through either the financial planning software or the financial coaching software. It's a, I have coaching software for coaching clients and planning software for planning clients. And nothing gets gathered other than through those two sources. It's 100% through those two sources, right. always, period, right? Um, either through connecting accounts or putting in information directly into the software or through secure document and upload into the software's vault. Um, and that's because the second they're a client, you're going to probably be asking them questions and gathering data that is not uh, right. that's sensitive, that is not publicly available, that is problematic. Uh, and so that's the big dividing line is they sign the contract, 100% of data gathering goes through the planning or the coaching software. They haven't signed a contract yet. 100% is just through a standard form feature on the website. And no personal data. And no personal data. Yeah. yeah. So let's say that somebody does not have a, a financial planning software. Most of them, like, I don't have a financial planning software, but I have a financial coaching software that uses secure, that does have a secure site where I can gather data. But what if somebody doesn't have that? What other options do they have? And what, what would you not recommend? What would you say? Please don't so do this. What I would say, it, definitely don't do it through email. Email right. is never secure. Yes. <laughs> um, I would not do it through any free document management system, right? Yeah. Now, Dropbox, they're, they're, they have a encrypted, secured, paid version. That's um, yep. the last time I did research was pretty good. Um, and there's other companies like Dropbox, right? OneDrive has a, the, the professional version of OneDrive, you can create a secure uh, folder that people can drop things into. The, the key thing is if one client has had access to the folder and another client has had access to the folder, then both clients could theoretically in the future have access to the folder, right? So there's a difference between when you have a, a professional paid version where you've there's a form for uploading and it's an encrypted upload it's encrypted in transit and in rest and that form puts it into a folder in dropbox or onedrive or something else that then allows you access to it which means no one ever had direct access to the folder they just had access to the form that was all encrypted versus what a lot of people will do is they will have a folder that they then share out, right? That's to open up cracks in the system, right? right? Because people now have direct access to the folder, right? Like Google Docs. Like Google Docs, like OneDrive, if you don't have the professional OneDrive. OneDrive. Right. Um, You know, even the really good softwares, I use OneDrive, but even the really good softwares, there are different security levels depending on what level of the software that you have. Another thing that you don't want to do is like a Google form, right? Totally fine if you're collecting very basic, non-sensitive information. But the second you start coaching someone, like actually having them as a client, you're going to be gathering information that is pretty sensitive. Um, and so- Can we talk about, you keep saying that once they're a client, I want you to expand on that. You, you say that because they're paying you now, right? So part of it is they're paying you. That's part of it. Part of it is you 
should not be looking at someone's transactions in their accounts when you are not their coach as a prospect, right? There's really no need for you to do that during the sales process. There's no benefit. It's a waste of your time, right? The second they become a client, you probably will be looking at their transactions, whether that's through them uploading their statements or uploading a CSV file or through them um, connecting their accounts into a software, right? Which is the preferred mechanism, right? right. You're going to have access to, to that information. And that's a lot of personal information that's in there, right? Um, even if there's no account numbers, that's a lot of personal information. And yeah. if you download a CSV file, you're going to get account numbers in that CSV file and other personal data in that CSV file. And if you say, well, I ask my clients to delete out the account numbers and the other things, you, a reasonable person would expect that a person that needs help with finances is going to, there is a significant enough likelihood that they will forget to delete out those things. Right. And, and it would be reasonable that as a business, you should expect that to be the case and have put something in place to protect the client. Right. Right. So just mm-hmm. saying, well, I have them do this or that thing is not that in my mind, that's not sufficient because, because the reason why they're working with a financial coach is because they're not great at right through and details <laughs> and everything else related to their money. The details. Yeah. Right. Um, and so even they do it right three times, it just takes the fourth time when they don't do it right for now you've got data that shouldn't be there. And even the transactions, like I say, are sensitive, right? Where they shop, what they do, what they bought um, are all sensitive. Okay. So let's say you want to, I'm going to kind of combine them now. <laughs> let's say you want to ask a questionnaire where you gather data. And you don't have a financial coaching software or any other way to do that. What software is out there that could help you do that? I would say that what you'd want to do is, you know, Dropbox would be something. I mean, you could do that data through an Excel spreadsheet where they fill in information in an Excel spreadsheet and then they right. upload it into an encrypted in transit and at rest uh, form that then... Right deposits it into a folder that only you have access to, right? That would be and drop off one drive. Um, there's like a bunch of, of those softwares, but it's really yeah. important that they have um, really good encryption, right? That they're, that they uh, meet uh, encryption standards. All right. And you're not, you're not aware of any fancy form software that encrypts it. Oh, I'm sure there is. Um, okay. You, know, I, <laughs> you just I, don't know what they are. I don't know what they are, right? I stumped you. I stumped yeah. you. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the challenge is not necessarily a matter of the form, right? It's pretty easy to encrypt a form, right? The question yeah. is, how does it get to you? That's where the challenge yeah. comes in, right? Yeah. And a form software, it's going to have to get the file to you somehow. And there's only two ways of doing that. Okay. Through the software. The first way is an email. Okay. That's already. Well, you can't do that. Right. Right. So we already have a problem there. And the second way is you log into their platform and it's stored encrypted. Right. Right. Which is going back to now you basically have like a Dropbox. Just they're saying we're a form company and Dropbox is saying we're a file company, but they're both doing the exact same thing in the exact same way. Right. Yeah. So when I say, you know, I'm not sure what's out there, it goes back to the idea of it's basically just Dropbox by another methodology. And one just spends more of their resources on the file storage side of it. And the other one spends more of the resources on advanced features on the form side of it. Okay. You think I did the stump you? No, I mean, sure. you Yeah. (laughs) Just take what I can get. Yeah. Yeah. I can never stump you. Take it. Take it. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's let's move on from the boring stuff. Well, maybe it's all boring to some people, but let's <laughs> let's move on to something a little more fun. <laughs> so, how about how about chat? How about chat software? So, you have a website and you want to be able to chat with them directly through your website. 
Do you have any thoughts on that? Is there anything you yeah, have any experience do with? Yeah. Don't, it sounds like an awful lot of work. So there's, you have there's to have a somebody lot of, there, right? Don't you, you have, have to have somebody there all the time? So yeah, either A, you have to have somebody there or you have to have the chat, a chat bot that's set up. Okay. Right. Chat bots that are set up are going to be very complex. They're going to take time to set up. You have to figure out what are typical questions and how you want your answers. But the bigger challenge that I have to that is what you have set the expectation of is that you do instantaneous responses. Right. Yeah. And now you're going to have clients that call you or email you or text you and are mad that you didn't get back to them 30 seconds later. Right. Because you were chatting with me at 2 a.m. on Sunday when I was right. a, when I was a you know prospect. That's just a prospect, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you want to think about the technologies and what type of, of expectation that sets, right? Um, I think that having something now, a thing that would be really, really helpful would be one of those chat bots that you ask a question and it refers you to pages on your website, right? Okay. More, it's more of an advanced search functionality. Right. right. But again, that takes a lot of time to set up because you have to think about what types of questions are people going to ask, which pages are going to be correct for them. You have to create the yeah. page, right? And all of that effort is probably not going to bring in as many clients as other marketing activities, like going to events, like even running advertising and other things like that. Right. So, um, you know, you all, in addition to what expectation does it set, you also want to think about how much time is this going to take up for me? And is that something that is worth my time relative to what else I could do? Right. right. Um, now, if I had a part-time or full-time marketing person and or an IT person that I could assign that to probably would be great, right? Um, even a really good administra administrative assistant that I could assign that to, right? Uh, I'd still question whether or not it's worth it, but yeah, maybe. Well, now, now you're actually paying money. And so you're right. actually going to you're, you will do the calculation of, is it worth it when it's <laughs> right. your time you right. don't do that calculation. Do and that's the worst. That's the time you need to do the calculation the most because your time right. is the most valuable time as the coach. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> At any stage of your business, your time is the most valuable thing. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the fact that you kind of said, well, if I had to pay someone else to do it, it wouldn't be worth it that shows you at your gut level, you know, it's not worth it for your time as well. <laughs> right. Well, and I think, do people expect that on this kind of website? Not typically, I would think. Um, if they have questions for you, I would think they'd just send you like an instant email. message somehow or an email. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to some degree, you know, you, it would be better, it would be better for you business-wise for them to ask those questions either through email or by scheduling a call to answer questions. Right. Because they're usually too complex to just answer, right? And it gives you the opportunity to try and, and get the business much more yeah. than a chatbot would. Right? Oh, we got, okay. So we have a comment who's from somebody who's a web developer. And he said, setting up a chatbot is actually effective and specific to your business is more involved than most people think. Yeah. Very yeah. Exactly. So he's confirming what you just said. Yeah, he's More yeah. So yeah, think. he said yeah. you, to set up one that is actually effective and specific yeah. to your business, specific. not just some generic thing that people go look at it and go, "Why are you talking about milk on a financial coaching website?" Yeah, um, right. is really involved. Yeah, yeah, because you think of like, I mean, the questions you typically get from people. I mean, they're they're never simple. 
right? You always have to dig deeper to find out more behind well, it, not, right? I mean, not necessarily. Questions that you get sometimes are simple. Questions like sometimes speed. Okay, right? good point. And that's an you're right. And you could just refer them to that you're right. The other but those website, questions yeah. should be yeah. really easy to have a link on your website, right? The, the simple yeah. questions should be easily addressable just through your standard website. Yeah. A chat bot is for those complex questions. Right. Those take a <sighs> amount of effort. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Thank I you know because I've used that. some from my yeah. end and they don't work very well, <laughs> typically. Right. Like, that's not right. what I'm asking. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So related to that, let's talk about just communication software. So let's say you want to have. I want to say one other uh, thing about chatbots. Okay. And that <laughs> is, it probably is not a good brand message. Right. Why do you say that? So what is the thing that you do when you call a big company and you get into the welcome to our digital assistant? We'd like to digitally help you. Right. What is the right. first button you press or the first word <laughs> say? Operator, operator. Operator, representative, or you hit zero. Your representative, right? yes. Because you Let try to find to a way to avoid it. Okay. Yes, that's, that's true. That's the actual thing that everyone does. Yeah. One of the advantages of working with a small business is that people think I'm not going to get stuck into that. I'm actually going to have a human. So this is one of the reasons why a person might choose you over another company. And a chat bot suggests that that advantage isn't there with your business. Right, right. Right. Um, so one last yeah. nail in the coffin of a chatbot. And and Matt had one actually one more nail, which is he said if the questions are simple, just an FAQ section is all you really need. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. So other communication styles. So I'm not sure exactly what they're looking for, but I know I've had I've had other people that use specific types of communication. So, you know, you, people, if they use Facebook, they say, just send me a DM or um, Instagram, same thing. But like, what if they don't use those social media types of communications? What other software is out there for communicating either with clients or prospects or both? I mean, there's millions of different software, right? So you can, do, you can do, email, do you have any, right? Um, <laughs> You know, what it really comes down to is a, a couple of things when you're thinking about it. number one is how do you want to communicate, right? Do you want to be receiving text? Do you want to go into Facebook, right? Um, do you want to go into Instagram, right? Is that the way you want to communicate? Or would you rather those be marketing channels that then funnel them to a communication style or communication method that is more comfortable for you? And then from there, you need to think, okay, once I get to that communication method, what, it, what software would I need in order to make this workable in my life, right? So if, for example, you're going to do texting, right? Text is the way that you want to do it, right? That you want to do the engagement. What is the software that's going to allow you to be able to manage those texts effectively. And I would highly argue that you do not want it to be your phone's text messaging system. Yeah. So one your of the problems are gonna is, hurt. is your thumbs are going <laughs> to hurt, right? So the ability to both use it on your phone, but also go to a web page and type it on a keyboard is really helpful. Yeah especially since there are going to be uh, the ability to have template responses that you can pull would be really nice in that scenario. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, so what has that? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things have that, right? <laughs> See, I don't, I don't experiment with some of these. Um, I only use them if other people kind of tell me to really like, oh, oh yeah. I use this, join it. Oh, okay, fine. Yeah. Um, you know, if there is another thing is, the ability to separate out your business messages from your personal messages. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you need to think about, so those are all like the usability things. And then you need to think about kind of the stuff we talked about before, 
which is encryption. You know, but encryption would be one. Yeah, Matt uh, just mentioned that. Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We need to think about. We need to think about. Um, does the is there archiving capability if that's required? So that's a requirement in my industry, right? Okay. So there there has to be. Uh, you know, SEC compliant archiving capability within it. You want to think about in the future, are you going to be the one responding to all of these texts or would you be hiring additional people in the future? And can this system allow for multiple people to log in and reply to it, right? So you want to think about what is the future capability of it and is it going to meet with your long-term business plans? Right. Or if you already have an assistant, can you have an assistant have a login and be able to reply to, to things? Right. Right. So those are all things that are really important to consider and to think about. Right. For any, do you know, do you know any that have all of that? What, do well, you the use one that I one use, the one that yeah, I which use one? is what I you use, use Message Watcher. Message Watcher? Yeah. Okay. And it's because it's, it is SEC compliant because I'm a registered investment advisor. Yeah. So um, now that compliance isn't a requirement for financial coaches, right? But not yet, not yet right? <laughs> Good point. But, um, you know, it is for me, which is why that's the one that I use. And it's SEC compliance isn't necessary. Having that when you don't need it isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? So it's not, I'm not saying yeah. you have it and you should have it, but it's not a bad thing to have go above and beyond, right? Yeah. Um, but there are, there are other platforms and other software out there. To be honest with you, uh, Apple's iMessage is encrypted, has a lot of the features that we described. Not everything, but a lot of the features that we described. But again- And it only have, works on iPhones. It only works on iPhones <laughs> uh, and your Apple computers. So that's a, right? Um, so if your clients don't have that or you don't have that, <laughs> you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, and that's, you know, there, there isn't going to be like, this is the thing you should use, right? It's but more, these are the things, things to look for there. Yeah. Because yeah. that goes across the board in almost everything. Yeah. One of the challenges with social media and using social media to do anything more than marketing is that once they become a client, messages on social media are not private. Yeah. They're all accessible by the social media company. Very much not private, yes. (laughs) And so that is a huge, huge potential concern with utilizing the social media platforms themselves. And going back to to what, what I said and Matt said, you know, it being encrypted, it's worse on social media than it being encrypted. You have actually signed an agreement that says they can read everything. Right. 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 I know. It's scary. People don't realize what they've signed on. Yeah. What they've signed up for. <laughs> so when it comes to clients, you know, you want to be very much more selective about how you communicate. Okay. Can we move on? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Course creation software. Yeah. <laughs> So there's a bunch of them out there. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's, I think a lot of it comes down to what you want to create and why you're creating it. Right. So it's always a, it's, it's, it's always a simple answer with you. It's never easy with you. I mean, that's the reality answer though. I know. Right? I know you're right. It depends. So it always depends. If, if you're just creating a quick course because you want to have something that you can sell kind of as a sales tool of getting them into the long-term coaching program, right? You know, there's a bunch of them, Coursera, Teachable. There's a bunch of them out there that can fulfill those needs, right? Um. We, for FCN and also for my business. Um, I'm using it too. And you use it for your business. We, we use yeah. Kajabi. And mainly because it does a lot of stuff. that Yeah, it do, kind of does everything. Kind of does, <laughs> it does everything kind of not great. 
Yeah, right. But it does everything. So it you don't have everything. to use all yeah. these different things. It, it, you don't have to worry about talking to a different software. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you, there's this advantage of, you know, everything is kind of in one place. So it can all be streamlined and you don't have to deal with, yeah, like you say, having software talk to each other. But, you know, it's emailing capabilities is no, it's email system capabilities is nowhere near the capabilities of, you know, acuity, not acuity. Um, uh, MailChimp or Constant uh, right. Contact or you know one of the other big email companies. Um, you know, so you're 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 always going to be giving something up, and a lot of it is what what is important to you. Yeah, uh, one of the downsides of Teachable and other platforms that are like Teachable is that your course is on their platform. Which means if you ever want to change platforms, you're going to lose a lot of that stuff. And that doesn't that's not the end of the world, but it, it does there is an administrative cost to changing platforms at that point. How is that different than, say, Kajabi? So with Kajabi, your website is your website. So any of right. the marketing materials, any of the SEO, any of the other stuff that actually got people to your course. Yeah. Right. All of that would transfer if you transferred to a different yeah. form and move your see. domain over. With right. Teachable, everything is on teachable.com. That's on their domain, no matter what. You can't change that. Got it. Okay. So recreating the course, you can totally do. But all of this right. where the world connects to your course. Got it. That all you can't, you can't do. Right. Got it. Um, and so those are, those are sort of challenges of, of different types of courses. And again, it depends on where it falls within your business. If it is the core part of your business, then you probably want to have something like a Kajabi where there is, where you have much more control over everything and you, and it's all your brand and so on and so forth. If it. No, I just want to have a budget course so that when I do a seminar and people say, hey, do you have any additional things about budgeting? You can say, well, I've got this course that's X number of dollars, or you can work with me regularly. They buy the course, then buying the course also encourages them to work with you regularly, right? And right. Yeah, it all kind of funnels yeah, to the same. kind of this funnel, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. People might work really well for that. Right. Right. <clears throat> And so a lot, a lot of it depends on how does that course fit into your overall business model. Yeah. And I'm using Teachable as an example, not as that's the place everyone should go. Right. Because there's other ones Kajabi. out there. Yeah, there's other ones out there. I'm using Kajab yeah. as an example, not that's the place everyone should go. It's just because it's what we use. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's for me, it was like once I got, once I learned how to use Kajabi, it was like, well, I don't want to go learn another software and it has it's everything I need. And so... It is a steep learning curve for sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But if anybody has questions, <laughs> not that I'm an expert, but I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> and I just told Josh something the other day that he didn't, he wasn't aware of. So oh, there's tons there of stuff go. that you know on Kajabi <laughs> that I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true as of a year ago, but I'd say, yeah, I've learned a lot in the past year. Yeah. Okay, what about what about video creation software? So like say you want to have a course and you want to create videos. I mean, there's again a ton of options. So so how do we decide which one? I'm still kind of debating that and I kind of change it up depending on what I'm doing. So what I would say is get something. This is where going cheap is beneficial. Is get something cheap, get something that does very basic editing. Yeah. And because as a financial coach, you should not be getting deep into video editing. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> right. You, there's two ways to edit videos, like literally two ways. Method number one is uh, get really good at recording videos and giving presentations and doing sales. All of that's the same set of skills. That's you. Right. That's yeah. you. Do it in one go, and you just have to edit the beginning and edit the end. 
right? Basically, yeah. where, do, where do I want to start? Where do I want it to end? And you're done, right? Yeah. Method number one. Method number two is do what professional editors do, where you do multiple takes of a line and they pull out the take that they want, edit it in, splice it, next thing, right? All this other stuff. Right. As a financial coach, you should not be doing that. No, I mean, I would say like if maybe if you get to the level where you're like Dave Ramsey level, then yeah, you probably want to hire somebody. There you go. Right. Not even, you should not be right. doing it. No, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, you should be yeah. hiring somebody to do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you want it cheap. You want it easy. You want it very basic because the advanced stuff you should not be doing. Yeah. When you get to the stage where you need the advanced stuff, or if you need the advanced stuff based on your your presentation skills, right? And this is not a knock. This is just everyone's at different yeah. stages, and we have different gifts, right? Right. If you are, if you need the advanced stuff, you should be hiring an editor to edit the videos because they will do it yeah. faster, yeah. better than you can. Yeah. Your time is better spent in other parts. Of They're it. really good at like, we have a, an editor that helps us with some of our videos and she's not even like, she's not one of the best or anything. She, I, I think she's fantastic, but she just does simple things like transitions that I would have never thought to do. So, and she's not even like one of these really expensive ones. So. That's just a simple VA. So, um, so could we talk about a few specific ones, um, pros and cons? I don't know. Like, so zoom, I've tried zoom and I I've abandoned that one completely. Um, unless you truly just want it for recording. I don't know if I I don't, you can't do editing in zoom. Can you? No, No, that's why I I was like, I don't think I've done that. Yeah, no, I've done editing in, in Canva and I've done editing in loom. Those are the two places Mm -hmm. I've done editing. Uh, I don't know if there's any other, I'm sure I, there's, I know there's a ton of other options out there, but, yeah. and I have a, I have a professional Canva account. So I use that. I know you can create presentations and actually record in, in Canva. And I have not yet done that. So, so I don't know what the software would be on a PC, but on my Mac, I use zoom to record and then okay. I kept recording and I just, trim off the beginning, trim off the end and save it after I've trimmed where I want it to begin and end. What software do you use to trim it? Whatever software. Oh, whatever software you have on my Mac on your when I, when I open Just up the simple. file. Yeah, great. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Which I think I have something too. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. Literally okay. I open up the file and there's That's a good point. You trim inside of there. You can't do advanced editing, but it just allows me to trim. Right. Yeah. And that's all I do. Right. Right. Um, so I have found for people who aren't really good, like Josh, Josh is okay. So Josh, should we tell your history? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're the beginning, the very beginning of you being, becoming good at speaking in front of people. You want to tell that story? <laughs> I love that story. I know we're running out of time. It's such a good story. Yeah. So yeah, Disney, come on. Yeah, I used to be terrible at, at speaking. I would get red. I did not like it. You know, it wasn't fun. And then I did, uh, I, I was a jungle cruise skipper, right? And that job completely changed my ability to speak to my ability. I, it doesn't bother me anymore. I do two hour videos in one take, right? It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) And the reason why is not because they have some amazing training program. It's not because they are, they've got, you know, some special tips or tricks that you can use. It's literally because you go through a couple of days of training and then they sit your ass down in a boat eight hours a day and you get a new group of people every 10 minutes to give a presentation to eight hours a day and you do that for weeks. And when you just do something over and over and over and over and over again, no matter how bad you are at it, you will get good at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. So Josh is, is really good at speaking. I am definitely not. Uh, and so I actually, I like, I like to use Loom. Um, it's just one other software out there. And what I like about it is um, you could, the 
with the editing, you could quickly, you could just say, I want to start over. Like that was horrible. I want to start over. And so I typically do shorter videos, which is good for clients too, to have shorter videos. So I don't mind losing three minutes. I'm like, oh gosh, that's not, so sometimes I don't even stress about preparing for the video, because I know it's so short that if I get it wrong, I could just start over and get it right the second time or third time. Um, but I've gotten, the more I do it, the better I get at it. So for me, Loom works, it was working really well for me. Yeah. So I use mostly Loom, but I think I'll probably be doing some with Zoom as well. So yeah, so that's, so that's, that's video editing. So what's next on your list? Okay, last one, and um, we could do this pretty, pretty quickly, which is just task management. So I know when I first started finished coaching and when I was a, even um, when I was a project manager, I liked just a pencil and paper. I was kind of kind of old fashioned that way. Um, but, but since becoming part of FCN, I started using two different task management tools that I really liked. And I don't know what people do, but we, we use both Trello and Asana kind of for different purposes. And I, I like both of them for different reasons. But yeah. I do you have like a preference as far as task management? I hate both of them. <laughs> Josh doesn't even want to look at them. It's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't think any financial coach should use Asana or okay. or anything else. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why is because the vast majority of your task management work is going to be client work. It's going to be tracking okay. where a client is. It's going to be, right. you know, making sure that this contract gets done. It's going, yeah, you know, it's all of the stuff related to working with the client. That makes sense. And you guys covered that when you talked about the CRM. That should be in your CRM. Yeah. Because you don't want to have your CRM housing some data for a client. And your, so it should either be in your CRM or it should be in your financial coaching or financial planning software. Right. Um, those are the two places where that belongs. You don't want to introduce a separate technology that you have to look at. Right? What about like for like marketing, like content creation, that kind of thing? Yeah. You so your calendar instead? You can you can do that in your but that's something you can do in Asana or Trello or other things, but you've now introduced a new technology that you have to watch. Right. That's true. And you can do the exact same thing by using the task feature in your CRM. Okay. Right. Okay. Sure. I don't know. I haven't used a CRM yet. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you have, if you're using Outlook for your email, the task right. feature is in Outlook, right? Right. And so, you know, the, one of the big things that you want to do is try to minimize as much the number of softwares you have to log into. And you have to manage, you have to watch and everything else. The more it's in one place, the better. Ideally, you should not be using Outlook. You should just be using your CRM as your email software so that that's all. Um, the more you can consolidate into one or two technologies, the yep. easier it's going to be to scale your business. Josh says all this, but then he he gave me two different softwares. I <laughs> three softwares I had to learn. Oh, I did not give them to you. You're right, Garrett did. Garrett did, <laughs> and the VAs did. Yes, it's true because the Trello was just the VAs. It's, yeah, the VA company use Trello. <laughs> I don't look at that that much. I I use Asana is primarily what I use, but we kind of have to for yeah. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah, but. Keep in mind, most of our tasks are not client tasks in FCM. They're operational right. business tasks. Good point. That's very rare for it to be. So the thing that when I said I, I don't think they should have Asana or Trello, it has nothing to do with Asana or Trello. It has to do with, for financial coaches, the vast majority of your tasks are going to be client-related. So it should be one of your client softwares, either your CRM or your, um, or your, um, what's it called? Uh, so financial coaching software. Right. And if not, and for, but for a business where the vast majority of your tasks are not client tasks, then something like a Trello or an Asana might make a lot of sense. Right. right? Um, 
you know, but, you know, for the 5% of your tasks as a financial coach that are not client related, your CRM is going to work just fine for managing those. Okay. Or your emails, just the task features in those two. Right. They're not robust. You don't need them to be robust. They're just no, you really don't. off things. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. Yeah. I've been debating starting to use it for my personal business. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to put that much work into it. So there you go. You answered my question for me. So I hired a financial planner, right? Yeah. And she used Asana at her last financial planning company. Right. And she said, I, I really love to bring Asana in. And have a sonic part of it. Oh no! Yeah, so that's you. I, I said that'd be great. Uh, I'd love you to kind of, you know, w- um, give me sort of the business case for it, so that I can understand what you used it there for and how it was beneficial, right? Yeah. Uh, just because I want you to, just because I, you know, there might be ways that another financial planning firm uses it that are like game changers for me. So I'm not against the idea. And, and I said, uh, but I also want you to go to this webinar for our CRM that is about the task management and workflow features in the CRM. <laughs> Got it. And she came back and said, oh, the CRM stuff is so exciting. It's going to do everything. Right? And it's all in one place. There you go. Got it. So, yeah, so it's, it's just a matter of, oftentimes it's just a matter of knowing how to use the robustness of the features within the CRM. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all I have. I think we covered all the software now, but if anybody else has any others that they want uh, us to cover, then throw them in the chat here or wherever, and we'll get them on the list for uh, maybe a part. A future one, a third, a third round. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we've covered it all, but I'm sure there's something we didn't cover. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.